0: Who are the Bucks targeting in the first round of the NFL draft? And if they get an offensive tackle, which one is best suited for this offense under Bruce Arians? And which running backs would fit best for Tom Brady and what he likes to do? And could there be a surprise pick in the first round for Tampa Bay? We'll break down the NFL draft with Trevor Sigma of the Draft Network on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer... Steve, hey folks, we have a uh, a special treat and a special offer for you as well. If you'd like to get the Tampa Bay Times online, we have a uh, digital offer. It's just $3 for the first three months. That's right, $3 for the first three months, and it's $7.75 a month after that, so you can't beat it. Now all you have to do is enter the code TB12, like Tom Brady, TB12, and you'll get the Tampa Bay Times online seven days a week, $3 $3 for the first three months and $7.75 a month after that. You can't beat it. All right, Trevor uh, Sigma joins us now. And, and Trevor, uh, look, your job is is the draft network, right, which is the NFL draft. This is what you do. Uh, you do it year-round. You do it as well as anybody. You watch these guys coming out of college. I'll start general, and then we'll get into specifics, especially with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let me just ask you—you uh, you know, generally speaking, every draft sort of has its strengths and weaknesses, right? Um, I've read and seen where you know, and there are so many good wide receivers, big guys um, that would typically be tight ends in other years, and they all run. It seemed like four, four, five. But that aside, um, what do you what do you make of this draft overall? Where where is it loaded, and, and, and quite frankly, where where is it lacking?
1: Yeah, two offensive positions, you you kind of touched it on there. Running back and wide receiver. And I think running mm-hmm. back is more uh, expected. We're seeing really loaded running back classes that's just the, the, today's day and age. You know, you can look all the way back at high school recruiting classes and see that a lot of these five-star kids are playing running back, right? Because in high school football, if you ain't a very good football team and you got a, one good player, you're going to put them at running back, right? You're just going to hand them off the ball. And we're seeing – the fruits of that thought uh, over the last couple of, of recruiting classes and then over the last couple of draft classes. I mean, when you talk about needs, and I know that we're going to get to some of the Bucks needs in a little bit, but mm-hmm. boy, they're going to have some home run potential running backs on the top of the second round. And that's just the yeah. way that this class is. And so I think that it's very strong there. Wide receiver. There's been, man, Mel Kuyper from ESPN and Todd McShay and even Danu Jeremiah from, from NFL Network. Love those guys and the work that they do. They're talking about some crazy number of wide receivers getting picked. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Mel Kuyper talked about 30 wide receivers going in the first three rounds, which is just bananas. Now, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that high, but you talk to most of the NFL draft evaluators and they'll tell you the consensus this is the deepest wide receiver class that we've seen. And I think that you're going to be able to get starters in this draft in even the fourth and fifth round. And that's just not always the case every year. And so running back, I think, is pretty loaded. Wide receiver is very loaded. Cornerback is another one, which I, which I think is sneaky that not a lot of people talk about because there's such varying opinions. But shoot, off the top of my head, I could probably rattle, rattle off about 10 or 11 corners who I think – could eventually be starters in the NFL. And anytime that's a case, man, shoot, 10 or 11 starters out of one draft class, that'd be fantastic. And so, yeah. you know, certainly projection for a lot of those guys. But I think those are three of the areas that are pretty strong. I think offensive tackle kind of depends how you talk, you, who you're talking to really, because you got the big four guys at the top. Um, then you got a handful of guys after that. And if you really believe in them, then in that case, Shoot, we're looking at one and two rounds of a very coveted position, having a lot of guys go and a lot of players that could help a lot of teams. And so I'd probably say that in terms of strength of the class, wide receiver, running back, offensive tackle to a degree, and then corner. Those are the four areas where they would be the strongest. Were they the weakest? Interior offensive line. If you need an interior O-line, you better get one at the top of the second round or you're not going to get a starting one. You're just not. You might get Mm. a depth piece, but probably not a player that's going to help you out much linebacker linebackers not very good i mean you have isaiah simmons depending on how you look at him from clemson you got patrick Mm -hmm. queen and kenneth murray those three guys i can guarantee are going to be good players in the nfl players after that i'm not sure and all three of those linebackers might be off the board on day one in the first round and if you're picking anywhere from two to seven Shoot, that's that, you're you're kind of out of luck for a guy that you're you're looking to pick up a linebacker, and that's not always the case every year. I think teams are normally thinking that they can get some starting caliber linebacker play on day two, sometimes even day three. You know, we saw Quan Alexander as a guy the Bucks were able to pick up and got get a lot of production out of. But yeah. this year it's just not really strong there. And then pass rusher is the interesting one. Pass rusher is the big one because after Chase Young, you got Caleb on Chase on who I like got Zach Bond, who I like, but there's a projection there for those guys. And I only named three edge guys right there. One guy (laughs) I love, two other guys that I'm pretty high on developing and thinking that they could be good edge rushers in the NFL. And then I don't know. Then it's a big basket. I don't know how these guys are really going to turn out. And the reason why that's so interesting is because the NFL prioritizes edge rushers always, no matter what. And so you're going to see teams – take chances on a lot of these edge rusher guys maybe before they should and so that's going to tell the tale of this draft class how these edge rushers go but that's probably how i see the top to bottom of these classes
0: position aside the best player in this draft is chase young yes
1: yeah yeah i think it's 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 so hard to argue that chase young wouldn't be the top guy i mean he just does everything so well you could play him in a 3-4 you could play him in a 4-3 hand up hand down Wins with speed, wins with power, has crazy flexibility. Hand work is so great. And, man, this guy's got counter moves for days. His repertoire, what he can go to for pass rush moves and counters to get off the of guys has just been phenomenal. It's, it's, it's hard to picture a player better than Young.
0: Even the Washington Redskins won't screw this up.
1: Yeah, you've got to think that even the Washington Redskins, um, you you hope that uh, if you're a Redskins fan, you hope that because Ron Rivera is there right now and he's he such a respected and experienced head coach, he can even look at Dan Snyder and be like, all right, well, <laughs> slow down on that idea because it's dumb. Um Ben, yeah, I, I don't think that they're going to screw this up when it comes to the number two overall pick because I've been told that the Ron Rivera sees Chase Young as a Julius Peppers kind of a guy. Absolutely. He, knows, yeah. he knows firsthand the effect that a guy like Julius Peppers can have on a franchise.
0: Yeah, sure does. Well, the one position you didn't discuss is quarterback, and uh, that starts, of course, with the, the first pick, I would assume. That the Bengals will make this choice, or maybe they trade it to the Miami Dolphins or somebody else. Um, but you got Joe Burrow, you know, the LSU Tigers, <laughs> and you got that guy, uh, and then after that, I think the most fascinating player maybe in the draft is, is, is Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, I, I, I'm still not completely sure what to make of him. He can end up being, you know, uh, Steve Young reincarnate, I suppose, or or, or something uh, less than that. But we've seen. In the past, how these quarterbacks—it's sort of a feast and phantom type guy, right? We remember Jameis Winston right. and Marcus Mariota. And neither of those guys panned out. Usually, one does. Um, how how good is Burrow? Is 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 he uh, comparable to what other first overall picks have been at that position, or is he better? He clearly, Trevor, had the best college season of a quarterback I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, not just that that you've ever seen ever. Uh, no one yeah. no one's had that kind of production ever out of a quarterback, and it's. It's crazy because, you know, I was reading this 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 kind of theory of this just alternate reality on Twitter. Steven Ruiz, he writes for, uh, for USA Today. He brought this up and he was like, look, you know, there's, a, there's still a chance that maybe we don't have football this season. I know people don't want to hear that, but just follow me. It's an alternate sure, reality. Sure. But he mm-hmm. said, OK, what if we didn't have college football this year? Say we turn back the, t- the, the, the clock and this happened last year. Joe mm-hmm. Burrow would be a day three pick if he didn't mm. have this 2019 season. He'd be a day three pick. Nobody yeah. nobody would take a flyer on this guy on any of the top three rounds because his drastic jump from one year was that good. But let me tell you, it was that good. There's not a single team in the NFL, we've read the reports, that does not have Joe Burrow going number one overall. When they do their mock draft simulations, when they do all of their doomsday planning, uh, if, that, what, how, all this kinds of stuff, Joe Burrow's number one. That's the set in stone. Miami's not going to trade up for him. They're not going to offer the Bengals what they want. And the Bengals probably, honestly, there's no way that they'd even listen because this is the guy that they need. And I think that he really is that good. And you and I talked about this before. Burrow doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the biggest guy. He doesn't have the biggest hands. He's not the fastest guy with mobility. But what he does is he approaches the game better than anybody else in this class, without a doubt. His accuracy is deadly. It's assassin-like, the way that he was able to put these this football... Uh, on the hands of his receivers all season long. He knows how to prepare. He knows what it's like to be in control. And he knows how to handle basically every situation because that was the thing too about Burrow. One, he's playing in the SEC. So he's playing against the best competition in the country week in and week out. Two, made it to the SEC championship, won that. Had to play against Alabama, won that. Got into the college football playoff, won the first round. National championship, won that against Clemson. Every single time the light was brighter on Joe Burrow, He was ready for it. Nothing rattled him. And I think that has to do with his preparation. And that's why he's going number one. Tua, on the other hand, you know, a lot of people people talk about Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State, is the biggest wild card in this class, right? People say, like, oh, you know, he could go. I think Ian Rappaport said he could go anywhere from number five to number 25. And that's what makes him the biggest wild card. Biggest wild card is Tua. Because Mm. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea where he's Mm. going to go. If you just judged him off his tape, He'd be going top five. We wouldn't have this debate. Right. Some team would right. trade up for him. They'd be drafting him in the top five. That would be sure. it. But people have talked about the injury history the current injury he's going from, not being able to get medicals on him. Do they want to invest in the top 10 pick? Because that's where it all boils down with Tua. I think every team in the NFL could look at Tua's tape and realize he's a good player, right? Every team in the NFL could look at this and say, this guy could change a franchise. But the injury history makes it interesting because of the teams that would be picking a quarterback, most of them pick in the top 15, general managers have to stake their reputation on quarterbacks they draft in the top 10 and top 15. That's how it goes. When you are a general manager, you are judged off the quarterbacks that you select. Can you hit the most important position when you have a high draft pick to hit them? And these GMs, are somewhat hesitant to stake their jobs and their reputations on a guy whose injuries they can't even confirm by getting him in the building for a top 30 visit because of the coronavirus pandemic. And I think that has a lot that goes into it with these GMs that might be scared of him. They love the tape. I think a lot of GMs really love the tape of Tua. But can you trust him? without getting him in your building to confirm it with the injuries. That's the big deal with him, and I think that that's probably where we're at with both of those guys.
0: Yeah, the medical on him is definitely something you want to want to reinvestigate, even though they had to look at him uh, somewhat in the past. But um, because of the injury situation, could we see on draft day Thursday night, could we see a guy like uh, Justin Herbert go ahead up to us
1: I think so. I think that, that there are a lot of teams that like Justin Herbert over Tua, and I think if nothing else, but because he's safer, I think Justin's got a great arm too. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to knock Justin too much as a, as a prospect because outside of the guys who I think are going to go above him or who I would have ranked above him, Justin has some awesome throws. You know, when it comes to on-platform stuff, I think that he played really well, but here's the thing about him, man, especially when you're looking at his stats and you're trying to convince yourself that he would be worth this pick or maybe even worth being picked over to a lot of Oregon stuff is small stuff. A lot of it screens. A lot of it's behind the line of scrimmage, and a lot of that goes into it. There's just not as much pushing it down the field. I think that I read that ju- if Justin Herbert gets picked in the top five, he will be the first quarterback ever to have as high of a percentage of his throws be at or behind the line of scrimmage that would go in the wow. top five of the NFL draft. Like, he would have the highest percentage of that, and I just – not so sure that every team's gonna be convinced of that. However, given Tua's situation with his injury, the floor for many GMs is going to be higher with Herbert. And so I can see a reality where he would go as QB two. I don't think that's completely far fetched. Not so sure it happens. Not so sure the reports are maybe as true as people are saying where that many teams might believe that Herbert's better than Tua. But I do think that it's a possibility.
0: So, uh, with Jordan Love, who is kind of a wild card in this thing, depending on who you talk to or who's evaluated him last, just the the you know the the position itself, don't you think that that will push him probably higher than maybe some people would anticipate
1: yeah, I think that I think love's gonna go top fifteen when it's all said and done I really do um i I don't know who it's gonna go gonna be that's ended up selecting him you know it could be as high as the chargers at number six. I mean, the Colts could be a team that might be willing to trade back up. I know that they've got some ammunition there at the top of the second round. They don't have number 13 anymore, but they could probably still get a price to move up. The Patriots from number 23 could be a team looking to move up to select him. And so I think there are a lot of teams that are in the conversation for Jordan Love. And I've got to think just because of what you were saying there, the highs of what he does. That's what scouting is all about. A lot of these guys look at, okay, what can he do for our team? You've got to trust the coaches that you have on your staff, too, to develop these players. And if you do, you can look at what Jordan Love does well and say, yeah, we can take this guy in the top 15. We can get a starter out of him. He could probably be our franchise quarterback. And I've got to think because of the quarterback landscape and just the the nature of the position, like you were saying there, it's too important. We're going to see somebody trade up to go get him. I think it's going to be in the top 15.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you just just because of the position. Let's talk about the Bucks in particular and, and look, uh, whether Brady was here or not, this team still had a hole and, and a a fairly sizable one at right tackle. They didn't re-sign DeMar Dotson. I know they got, you know, sort of a swing guy from Indianapolis in pre agency, but not necessarily someone that you would start the season with there. Um and and, and we knew that they they were in the market for at least a, a three down running back or someone who can help them start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today so let's let's look at these because everybody talks about four maybe five offensive linemen there uh, in in the first round but let's say four elite guys of those guys and, and there's talk that the bucks may trade up uh, may want to make sure they guarantee themselves one of those four uh, who makes the most sense I mean in other words, it's a right tackle position, right? Or So you look at a guy like Andrew Thomas who played right tackle at Georgia and say, you know what, he's more he's more punch and play than, than some of these other guys.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think that that goes into it. Uh, certainly the, the right tackle versus left tackle thing. But for the Bucks specifically, of the big four, right, the Jedrick Wills, the Tristan from Kai Beckton and Andrew Thomas – Three out of those four have played right tackle. Uh, you know, That's Jedrick right. Wills mm-hmm. and Tristan Wirth ended their careers as right tackles, so they have a lot of experience there. Makai Becton started out at right tackle. I think he played 10 games there his first year, two his second year, and then moved over to left tackle for uh, the last year and a half of, of, of his play at Louisville, but he's got experience over there. Andrew Thomas is the only one who's really just a solidified left tackle, and not to say I don't think that he could flip and make it work, but... It would just be a little bit of an adjustment period for him. If I was ranking these guys for players that the Bucs would want, I think that I would tell you that Wills would be one. Mm Makai Becton would be two. Worfs Hmm. would be three. And then Andrew Thomas would be four. Now, I think like you said there, they'd be happy with any of these guys any of these guys can be starting caliber offensive tackles for not just one contract but you hope through second contract and they're there for a long time but just looking at kind of the way that they play in the offensive lineman there it's going to be a little bit of a pick your preference and you know I can't say that I'm in the mind of of what Bruce Arians is but you know Jedrick Wills I think just with him having a lot of experience the right tackle It's a really easy Plug and play They're able to get him In there And 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 kind of start Forming that offensive Line chemistry Right, right away Tristan Wurst Shoot you love the upside And if you believe That your offensive Line coach can get The most out of him He might be your Number one Just because of how Freakishly athletic This guy is I mean the combine Kind of put that on display, but you got to understand his background too. I mean, this is a kid who had a wrestling background in high school and you see so much of that core strength with Tristan worse. And I love offensive linemen who have that wrestling background because of that. They're just so versatile. They're so flexible. You can play them at a lot of different spots. He can get you to the outside. So I know they like him, but Kai Becton, I mean, it's just as big as a mountain. It's, I mean, you look at this guy sit, sitting there in pass sets, and before the ball's even snapped, I look at the defensive ends, and I go, okay, where are you going, buddy? Like, you can't even get around. This guy's two <laughs> steps into a pass set, and you already can't get around him. And so I think just because he's such of a freak of nature with his size, you've got to have him pretty high on your list. I love Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas is very smooth. He's very technical. I think he does everything well. Does not have the same athletic ceiling as those front three guys. And yeah. he plays more of left tackle. That's why I yeah. would say he'd probably be a fourth option for them, although I still really like him as a prospect.
0: Which might be why they're trying to trade up so they, they actually get a guy that's 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 maybe a, a better fit. You know, always when you talk to uh, NFL coaches, uh, Arians in particular, he talks about how impossible it is sometimes to, to uh, first of all, to find these guys that can play at the next level, but also – um, so many of them are in, uh, you know, spread offenses. They they don't get in a three point stance. They don't even huddle up. You can't have contact. Even this season, there'll be a shorter off season. So, are are these guys you think special enough to jump in and and do a credible job as rookies? Uh, all four of these guys.
1: I think Wills and Thomas are the two that I would bet on the most to have the uh, lowest learning curve if you will you always have it in the nfl no matter what and obviously trench play truly going from college kids to grown-ass men uh it's a big Mm -hmm. difference especially in the trenches and so i would say that those two guys are probably the most equipped to handle it right away Uh, Mm um beckton i think you know he certainly has the strength and the size to hold up but it'll just be different for him he you you watch beckton's tape and i mean You could put up a highlight reel of this guy's offensive line tape. How many offensive linemen can you say that you could put a highlight reel up for? Okay, So that's how many pancake blocks and just utter (laughs) embarrassing plays he has against some of these these edge guys. And that just goes to a testament of how strong he is and how he can truly impose his will on college players. That'll change a little bit in the NFL. He'll get exposed a little bit. Uh, He'll have to learn how to use that strength more and more, and I think it'll just take time. To adjust it. And I think, you know, like you said there, that time is something that they might not have a lot of with the current social landscape that we're living with. But I'd tell you that Wills and Thomas are probably the easiest plug and play guys while back then in Worf's where they have, I think, the lower ceiling and maybe the higher learning curve. Um, yeah, they've got the more potential to what they can do.
0: Well, uh, look, the one thing that the Bucks, I think, can feel relatively comfortable is is that they use their second-round pick, even as as it co- is constituted right now. They can find a running back that can help them both in the run and pass game, correct? There are, a, as you mentioned earlier, a, a whole bunch of dudes that can get it done. The guy that I – if I were just going to, you know, throw a dart at and hope that I got him, I think would be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Am I wrong about that?
1: He – you know, I would still I would have Jonathan Taylor as as my RB one. Of course, you know, I, of and, course, and J.K. Course. Dobbins I think great, but no, I, just to your point of I think the nature of the question that you're asking here, the Bucks could end up with DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, and Clyde edwards wow. and and their running back wow. room is better. I mean, instantly, you could throw cam makers in there too, but I think it's it's more realistic to think that edwards Delaire is the top target for this team because of what you watched him do for LSU last year Uh, he was fantastic when he was catching passes out of the backfield I think I thought he was very natural in that regard and that's something that the Bucks need he's a very willing blocker he's a smaller dude he's smaller in height Mm -hmm. but he's got some good weight to him and he's he's definitely a willing blocker when it comes up to going up against safeties coming in or extra edge rushers or linebackers he understands that very well and then he's a much better runner than people give him credit for this season. LSU's past game was getting all the headlines, but man, that offense moved as smoothly as it did because of Edward Delaire. And he too I, I talked about with Burrow didn't shrink when the moment was when when the the pressure was as as big as it could be or when the moment was biggest or whatever. That's Clyde Everson Alaire. I mean, he is the kind of guy that you want to lean on when it comes to running out the clock and making the storm, decisions and fighting for the extra yards and things like that. He's just so easy to project to having an impactful role in the NFL, especially as a committee kind of player, because you know Jonathan Taylor and I think J.K. Dobbins are more ready for those feature roles. They're ready to be those RB ones for teams where the the, the Bucks. They believe in Ronald Jones a lot, and I do believe in them, and I do believe them when they say that. But when you look at what the Buck situation is right now, you can have faith in a guy, but you can't let your faith be blind. You have two That's years right. right now with Tom Brady. You better not let your blind faith or blissful faith in one of these players be a reason mm-hmm. why one of those years goes to waste. You have to make yep. every move that you think, you can to put the team in the best spot to be able to win football games and i think that it, when it comes to complementary players they're probably not going to find a better complementary player to what ronald jones does well and then maybe even take an even a bigger role than what ronald jones is doing than clyde abrizi there
0: yeah no doubt and he was coached by kevin falk who caught a few passes from tom brady so there's there's that as well um, okay, so uh, look, the, the rest of the draft, as far as the Bucks go, we know that they, they need safeties. There doesn't seem to be a, a ton of safeties. They, they could certainly come out of this draft with that. There's they, they could use a speed guy at receiver. We've talked about the depth of that position. Where else do you think that, that if things fall the way they want them to, that the Bucks go in terms of positions?
1: Yeah, I think that the, the two positions that you named there are big ones. Uh, th- those are probably the top target ones. Anytime you can Pick an offensive lineman that might be sliding down the board in rounds three or four. I think that you take that chance because the Bucs have found out all too quickly that sometimes things go horribly wrong during the early parts of a year and you've got to all of a sudden catapult a backup offensive lineman into the correct spot. But I think there's sweet spots. And I think the Bucs are, again, shaping up to when we talked about wide receivers. This class is so deep that the Bucs can afford to take an offensive tackle in the first round, take a running back in the The second round and still get a damn good wide Receiver in the third round and beyond You know if they want an outside guy a player like Brian Edwards from South Carolina could be there. They want more mm. of a route runner in the middle. They could go after a guy like Van Jefferson if he is still on the board. You know, you got players like Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State you might be able to get later in the draft. Who's got a great pair of hands and could be a reliable third receiver for this team? You know, I think the possibilities are endless with receiver, and it would just be smart for the Bucks to wait on that at least until uh, the mid rounds, the third or fourth rounds, when they might be picking there. Think that makes the most sense. Safety, you're right. It's not a great safety class, and especially knowing that the Bucks aren't going to be picking one until probably those mid rounds. What I was saying there, maybe early day three, two guys that I'd keep an eye on for them: uh, Terrell Burgess for Utah. Uh, I thought that he was really, really smart. You know, he wasn't the fastest guy, but. He understands playing safety so well, and I think that the football IQ is such an important part of playing safety, whether you're playing box or whether you're playing single high uh, with free or strong. It means a lot because as a back-end player, you have to know the responsibilities – of the corners, of the linebackers, feel where the zones are going to be, know where you need to be to make the biggest impact on the ball. It takes a lot of mental processing. I think Burgess does that really well for Utah. And then the other guy is Kevon Wallace from Clemson. Those are the two players who, if you're trying to take a safety early on day three, I hope they have like fourth, fifth round range, having those two guys as your targets, I think, could really, really help out this team. All
0: right, Trevor, we'll let you go on this one, I promise. Uh, if the Bucs don't use their first round pick on an offensive tackle, um, give me a player or a position or a player with a position, obviously, that would be a surprise that to some, but but maybe not to you, that oh wow, look who's here. We're gonna take this guy instead.
1: Okay, I can only give you what I would do. Obviously, I'm not necessarily in the sure, mind of what sure. they would be willing to do, but let's look at it. Let's look at it this way. They're picking fourteenth, right? Mm-hmm. There are thirteen picks that have to happen before their fourteenth pick. If all four of the top offensive tackles are gone, if Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw are gone, because that's another area I think that they could go for either of those two guys as interior defensive linemen, right? Mm -hmm. If those Mm -hmm. two guys are gone, that's six out of 13. You've got to think that at least three quarterbacks are gone. Then we're all of a sudden at nine. Isaiah Simmons is another pick that will be gone. Jeffrey Okuda mm-hmm. will now be gone And right. all of a sudden you're at 11 Out of 13 picks Well guess what is might have to be There at number 14 <laughs> CeeDee Lamb Jerry Judy oh, or Henry there you go.
0: Speed, speed and more speed
1: how do you like scoring 40 points a game? I think that would probably still feel <laughs> great to a lot of Bucks fans, even if they don't pick up an offensive tackle. I so love I've it. Actually, Absolutely. I've actually been in you – know, I've done these mock draft scenarios, especially you know, for, for other outlets and for the draft network yeah. as well, where we're on – the like that happens. I'll be picking for the yeah. Bucs, and all of those things are true. And when I do the math and I think about how there's only 13 spots in front of them – if they can't get an offensive lineman, and if and if neither Kinlaw or Brown are there, take one of the wide receivers, form the greatest wide receiver room that the world has ever seen, you know, and let Absolutely. Tom Brady do what he wants with it. And so, I know that that's not ideal. I know that that's uh, they they they've kind of pigeonholed themselves into making sure they get an offensive tackle. But when it comes to the draft, we often focus on teams addressing weakness, no matter what. Sometimes making the strength even stronger is the best way you can help out your team.
0: That's a fantastic notion. We'll end it there. He's Trevor Sigma. You can read him on the Draft Network. He's in Carolina now in Charlotte. Him and Alyssa, can't can't believe you guys moved, but actually you made the best move (laughs) to be with Alyssa. People just don't realize that's your first-round pick right there. But uh, we appreciate the time, man, man. And if you don't get back here, at least by the time they play Carolina, whenever that is, if not more, I'll be disappointed.
1: Listen, it's, it's got to happen at some point. I can't let you guys have all the fun down at Raymond Stadium, but <laughs> it, was, it was awesome being back and talking with you, Rick. Thanks for having me on.
0: My thanks, of course, as always, to Trevor. Hey, kind of a neat thing. Fox Sports Sun is going to have the replay of the 2004 NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, which I think ended pretty well for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The first-round game against the New York Islanders is on Saturday night, so that'll be fun to watch. And we're going to have lots of coverage uh, on the NFL draft uh, in Sunday's paper, uh, and also online in the Tampa Bay Times and on tampabay.com. How will the Bucks begin to build and continue to build around Tom Brady? We'll talk about that. And we'll be back Monday for another week of NFL draft coverage and other sports news on our editions of Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.